Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Angela! Angela! Aussie Angela, welcome back to the show. We're so glad to have you joining us to co-host the show this morning. How are things in... How is life in Michigan? Uh, it is gorgeous. This is my favorite time of year. It is fall and where I am working at Great Lakes Avis Academy, there are beautiful maple trees everywhere. So I have pinks and reds and oranges and yellows and greens and it just looks like a fairyland down the main road right now. Yes, for all of us Australians who live in a country where our trees lose their limbs and their bark rather than their leaves. Uh, this is this is a unique experience that I think every Australian needs to have in the Northern Hemisphere sometime, particularly in areas where you get you know that wild variety of colours and to see the uh, the bush and the hillsides and the mountainsides just turn so many different colours. It is absolutely spectacular. Angela, I love it. Uh, I love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> so is is this your is this your thankfulness this morning? No, actually, my thankfulness is that I am having my surgery on Friday and I'm very excited because finally after five weeks, uh, five weeks ago, I completely ruptured my ACL playing American flag football and also I tore my medial meniscus and uh, five weeks later, I am having surgery this Friday. Okay, so yeah, well, all right, yep. When you said, I'm super thankful I'm having surgery, I'm like... Right. Most people are kind of a little bit afraid of having surgery and like, oh, I don't want to go under the knife, but uh, you're right there, like, bring this on. So hopefully it brings um, some healing for you and some uh, reduction in pain. But, uh, yeah. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right. Angela, positively different news. Let's have some positively different news. All right. Well, the first one, you know, you shouldn't be surprised as a nature lover. Um, there is a far north Queensland man who has planted more than 40,000 sunflowers to spread a special message. 40,000 sunflowers. So this guy's going into uh, sunflower production, I'm assuming? No, actually. Um, his Basically, his comments are simply that the world is very dark and every time you turn the news on, you only get negative stories that are kind of depressing. So he wanted to try to send a message out to the world of, of hope and inspiration. And guess what that message is? <laughs> sunflowers. <laughs> well, it Actually, comes via sunflowers. It does. So he, they're about 38 meters across each letter. And you really can only see it um, up from like the the sky or if you happen to own a drone or something. He lives, I'm not going to really know how to say this well, but maybe you can say it. He lives in Innisfail, which is 40 minutes from Cairns. Um, So his message to the world, I love this as an Aussie, you know, is good day world from Oz. (laughs) Yes, that's epic (laughs) What a typical Aussie (laughs) Yep, that's all he felt he needed to say was G'day world from Oz All written Um, in sunflowers Yeah, from the sky you can't really necessarily see anything But these, um, you know, 3D looking giant green letters But if you get closer then you just see tons and tons of beautiful sunflowers Right 
That's amazing. And of course, sunflowers, that pretty yellow color, they have kind of a happy face to them. Wherever you see yeah. depictions of sunflowers, they're always kind of depicted as being a happy plant. They are a happy color. So we had David Haupt uh, talking to us one time about colors and talking about how that uh, the color yellow is a color that simply makes people happy. So there you go. This is everything about yeah, the story. I was trying great. to convince you to paint your living room yellow a couple months ago. Yeah, still working on that. Still working on that. In fact, well, in fact, now you know. paint is going on my living room as we speak. Is it it's, yellow? It's not yellow. Well, actually, we changed our living room. It's no longer a living room. It's a bedroom now. Um, and so we'll see what colour the living room turns out to be. But it's not yellow, but it is still a happy colour. Very good. Very so good. We'll send you a photo All when right. it's done. Oh, by the way, somebody's ahead of you as far as the uh, answer to the clue goes. One of our listeners. Oh, See, they, these guys are on the ball. Uh, somebody's texted in with uh, bragging rights, so the prize is still available. Uh, so still do give us a call if you can answer. Who is called the Son of God in Luke 3 and verse 38? Okay, Angela, back to you. All right. So um, some other positive news, and I just have to put a little plug in for my students. You know, currently I'm a high school teacher and I am teaching English and my juniors are currently right now outside uh, doing nature object lessons. They have to write uh, a Bible story and then rewrite it, how nature can deepen the lesson that is supposed to be taught via the Bible story. Okay, so, so have currently you... they're right now enjoying outdoors. Have you seen any uh, previews yet of the kind of things that they're working on or have you heard any ideas of where they might be going with this? Um, yeah, actually one class is already done and they did some really cool things. One was about birds and they like literally sat under a tree and they talked about the fact that they saw no birds on campus. And now that we have bird feeders, they're seeing birds and how we should be connected to the source of food. But then the other boy was interesting because I guess they both must have hung out by the bird feeders. And he started out writing about how annoying the birds were sounding and how he couldn't write anything because they kept tweeting about food and he was really frustrated with the birds. And then he talked about how the Israelites were always complaining and how like he thought about how he, what he should focus on is either the complaining or the negativity in life. And he took it a totally, completely different direction. <laughs> That's <laughs> wild. <laughs> that so is- it's funny because they both used the, They both, even though they never talked to each other, they both sat with the birds and they both thought about the Israelites and they both thought about the Israelites and food. But one talked about needing to be connected to the source and the other one was completely frustrated because the birds were distracting him so he couldn't write. But then that's what he ended up using to make a really powerful analogy in his life about how he needs to not always be complaining and looking at the negative side of things. So I thought that was really wild how, you know, nature can really take us on to different different places depending where our heart is, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We have uh, black cockies that roost in a tree beside our house they kind of roost in the in the, in the neighbor's tree and i guess there's two ways of looking i love the black cockies i think they're absolutely amazing they're huge they're black they've got yellow tails uh and it was always a treat to see them fly over where we used to live and now we have them roosting next door and they are kind of noisy you know they do have a bit yeah, of a raucous yeah. they do make a bit of a raucous noise but i will take the noise because i just like them i just think they're epic 
No, I think birds are awesome. One of my other girls was talking about how she wanted to do the story of Ruth and loyalty and trust. And I, and she said, I don't know what to do with nature that shows loyalty and trust. And I said, hey, look above us. And there was a huge flock because, you know, right now all our birds are migrating south because winter is coming. So there was the sandhill cranes and the Canadian geese. And I taught her about how they all work together to be able to fly to their destination. And so it's really truthful that if you look and study what nature does, it has so much to teach you about God and how he loves us. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM positively different. Okay, Angela, you have some interesting things happening in your part of the world at the moment, uh, particularly at the at the levels of government <laughs> as Angela hangs her head in shame. <laughs> I must say it is entertaining for the rest of the world. Yeah, I know. You guys won't let me back in. I'm trying to get back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, the sad news is that there are interesting things happening in Australia. We kind of need to – the solution is not to come from America to Australia. The solution is to actually leave this world. Amen. Because then we will actually have a decent government. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> so uh, Amy Coney Barrett has um, been grilled by the Senate confirmation hearing. It's been interesting to watch some of the questions that have been asked and some of the issues that have been raised. Um, of course, she is Donald Trump's Supreme Court nominee. And it looks like she should be able to get through relatively unopposed. Uh, but the latest series of grilling that she got, I guess, was focused on her religious beliefs as a devout Roman Catholic um, on the issue of abortion and gay rights. Uh, and also in relationship to the uh, Obamacare uh, legislation. There's a case uh, before the Supreme Court at the moment in relationship to Obamacare, and she's uh, she was asked whether she would recruit, rec recuse herself in relationship to that. And of course, well, how do you answer that question when you are not even the Supreme Court judge yet? So, um, on abortion, she stated that uh, it was important to follow the law and to consider the usual factors when precedents are overturned. So, uh, and that she had nothing more to say on it. So she's been playing her cards pretty close to her chest on these issues. Uh, but she did state that the meaning of the Constitution doesn't change and it is not up to me, this is Amy Coney Barrett, to update it or infuse my own policy views into it, which positions her as an originalist, so somebody who goes by the original meaning um, wording and intent of the Constitution rather than um, kind of making up a new Constitution to, you know, suit where culture is at today. She was asked whether she can set aside uh, her religious views as a Roman Catholic when making decisions. She said, I can. Uh, she also said that she would not be a uh, Scalia clone because uh, she was very, very, she was a, a, an aide to. Um, Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia for many years, and that even though both of them are what you would call originalists, which follows the original meaning of the Constitution, that does not mean that they that all originalists originalists come to the same conclusions. Now, of course, it was uh, Antonin Scalia who, based on his originalist views or reading of the Constitution, opposed same-sex marriage back in 2015. And uh, when asked about this one, Amy Coney Barrett, no comment, 
no agenda and no discrimination. So be interesting to interesting to see where this one goes. Angela, you have a uh, you have an interesting future ahead of you in the United States. You know, if I didn't believe that Jesus was coming again, I would be very discouraged. But because I believe he's coming again, all I can say is that I'm going to love the people God puts in my path because I don't know how to change my dear government. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. (laughs) That's epic. Love it. Okay, so moving from there to Western Australia, Um, Lottery West which is a government body in Western Australia, um, has unanimously rejected a grant application for a freezer van to provide support to needy families. And so basically you've got Lottery West, uh, which kind of is in charge of you know gambling and so forth uh, and a lot of the income that comes in from gambling. And their job, one of their, one of their jobs is to uh, use a lot of that money to support Charities, so it's kind of you kind of almost look at like at the poison and the antidote. So the lottery is the poison, and the antidote is well, we'll give you some uh, when when you all gone broke, we will help you with charities. It's it's just the most ridiculous circular thing that you've ever come across. But anyway, this particular grant was denied, and you might ask the question why? Uh, was it because the grant application was based on a bad business plan? Absolutely not. Uh, This was an application put forward by the Victory Life Community Services Incorporated, uh, which is part of the Victory Life Church, and a lot of churches apply for these kinds of grants because it is primarily faith-based groups and primarily Christian faith-based groups that run the charities that there are in Australia. I think like 90% of charities are run by Christian faith-based groups. It's part of Christian culture, and praise God that it is. The reason there was only one reason given as to why this particular grant was denied. It was denied because the board doesn't like the pastor of this particular church, who is former tennis champion Margaret Court, who holds views, um, who supports the biblical view opposing same sex marriage. And so it was denied purely on that. Now, okay, fair enough. You don't like the pastor, you deny the uh, uh, the grant application, except that in Australia they have what's called the Equal Opportunity Act 1984, which makes it illegal to discriminate on another person in the provision of grants on the grounds of a person's religious convictions. So here you have the Western oh, wow. Australian government doing something that is absolutely illegal not because there's been a bad business plan put forward, just because they don't like the other person's religious convictions. Now, when you think about the kind of precedence that sets for all kinds of things, that's a, a, a very dangerous uh, precedent. And so basically, if you've got Christians, you've got Sikhs, you've got Muslims, you've got anybody like this who is applying for grants, um, they now are in a position where their religious beliefs are going to be up for scrutiny and if somebody doesn't like what they believe, then they're out, no longer eligible. Um, I don't know what word you'd say in Australia, but there's no recall of it. There's not looking at it again based on the fact that it wasn't according to your laws. Like he can, they can just get away with this. 
Well, they think they can get away with it, probably because, um, and, and this is possibly very, very true. They might look at it and go, you know, this is a this is a church that doesn't have the money to take this to court. So it's illegal what they've done, but to get it overturned, you've got to fight it through the court system. And a lot of churches don't have the money sitting in their bank account to take it to court, and they're like, well, we'll do it because we can. And that's, you know, that's just, I guess, part of the challenge that we face. Um, In fact, this particular church was told very, very clearly that they need never apply again for grants because of their religious views. So this is really strong ideological statement. (laughs) Angela's sitting here with her mouth open right now. But what if they apply for something that is really fantastic that will help the community? I mean, how can you just blanket statement? That's incredible. It is. It is absolutely. And this is the thing. They would rather let people starve just so that they can uphold their, you know, ideological views, you know. That's, that's the simple reality of it. And basically what the, the Western Australian government needs to sack the board um, and replace them with one that appreciates multi-ethnic, multi-religious uh, community that they have in Western Australia, in fact, that we have in all of Australia, uh, and is able to actually act in accordance with the law. That's what needs to take place in Western Australia right now. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We have David Haupt joining us on the phone this morning. David, welcome to the show. Good morning, Lyle, and good morning to your listeners again this morning. David, we always look forward to your uh, update or your section uh, every Wednesday. David, there's a um, we, we had a very traumatic, I guess, uh, experience that um, we faced here in Australia some months ago, a family in Queensland where the husband uh, killed his wife and all of his children. Then we have this other... There's other story, and there's actually been a bit of a documentary made around it, uh, and it shows the photo of a couple that just seem to be madly in love with each other, just you know, happy in their relationship. And she is stating, you know, uh, the, the the tagline that she puts to the photo of the, you know, it's a selfie of them two, the two of them together. You know, he is my rock. Now, in this situation, and, and, and also, you know, if you look at the Queensland situation, you know, if you look at some of the photos that have been posted over social media, you, on social media, you just do not pick up that there was ever any problems. Um, in this situation, three months after posting that photo, uh, that woman was killed by her husband, and he was a man who had no history of either criminal activity or of ever having... Uh, physically abused her. I want to talk about this issue this morning of uh, you know physical abuse and also the danger that it comes with it, particularly to women, the danger to life, and try and understand what are the warning signs? How can you, how do you, you know, because you see stories like this, how do you actually know if, um, if, if, if you are in danger because, you know, you look at these social media posts and you think, well, these, these, are, these are people that are doing well. Lyle, it is very sad cases that you're referring to and shockingly one female per week is, uh, is killed by their either spouse or lover uh, within Australia. Ooh. Uh, and. And most of that is uh, not really widely reported. So it is far wider than what we really uh, 
can imagine. And so easily we uh, wrongly place it at a mental disorder or mental health issue, while in reality it is in actual fact highly gendered crimes that, that we see. In other words, a very high percentage uh, in, in the 90s uh, percent, uh, it is always the male lover that actually kills their, their spouse or, or, or their lover. So um, while we, we so easily can refer to this as a mental health issue, I think we miss the mark in that. We need to look at a, a gender-driven uh, and it is far more social and structural dimension of gender that we need to look at. And it leads me into an area which we might explore at a later stage, but that is the lack of men being mentored anymore as being, you know, to, to grow up or boys mentored to become true men uh, in, in a godly way. It's very interesting as we look at this, you correctly mentioned that a very small percentage, a very insignificant percentage of these men would have a criminal background, would even have had reported to the police uh, by the spouse uh, domestic violence. Uh, but when researchers uh, would go back, they would in actual fact uh, study and, and, and talk to the family members and the family members would share stories of uh, violence in the home or aggression in the home. Some of the key factors that we see that are happening uh, in these cases is um, that the history of domestic violence is a key risk factor for for women. In other words, not so much necessarily to the level where they have to report and take out a restraining order, but the the respect is just not there in the marriage. Uh, secondly, uh, another key factor uh, is when a spouse in that kind of situation is threatening to leave the relationship. So they are already uh, communicating the intention because of issues to, to leave that uh, relationship. Um, a, a third uh, major area is that there's a sense of entitlement to control, especially over the finances and the, the family unit. Uh, is, is a very common denominator uh, within this grouping of people. And linked to that is, in family side, which this is called, is aspiring loss of control over these areas, especially the male headship of the, the, the household. In other words, the male feel that the wife is the dominant person in that relationship instead of a partner relationship. Okay, these are these, these are some um, terrifying statistics that you're sharing, and I would yeah. never ever have dreamt that we were losing one person per week based on intimate partner violence. I would, I mean, yeah. we had that famous case on the way on, on in Queensland um, some months ago, and it sort of hit the headlines. And it shocked everybody to their core, I think, because of the very violent way in which it took place, um, murder-suicide. But what you're saying yeah. is that this is actually something that is taking place on a weekly basis here in Australia. Um, so this is a much bigger problem than I think what the average person even stops to think about. 
And part of this has to do, I believe, with the the, the, the fiber, the, the male uh, wanting to stay dominant in the relationship and feeling that the only way to deal with it is um, to, you know, enforce their dominance in a, an aggressive way, which is, by the way, you know, if I would take my wife and I put a gun against the head and I say to her, love me or else, uh, whatever she'll give me would never be love. But that is the outcome that they expect to take place. We know, you and I know, who stand in, in a loving relationship, that love is a free choice that that is given to us. It can never de- be demanded. But it seems as though there's a demasculinity happening in our society or perceived by certain males. Because it's very interesting that these crimes are predominantly done by white males on their partners. Would that be because of the you know, biological difference between men and women in that men are just physically heavier, stronger, more muscle mass, more bone mass on average? Than, is, is that the issue that we're dealing with here and are therefore able to, whereas women don't f- ever feel able to perpetrate violence? I did a bit of uh, research wider after you asked us to, to talk about this issue and I came across some research done in America where they have indicated that 88% of these crimes were committed uh, by way of using uh, a rifle. Now, a female is as able to use a rifle or a handgun as, as what a male is. Uh, the perpetrators were asked a question or or... You know, they were posed the question, if there was no option for a rifle, would you have chosen another form of weapon? And in every case, the answer was no. Right. So it, it cannot be the, uh, the, the physical strength and dominance of the I believe it lies far deeper. It mm. lies at the level where men, instead of uh, spending themselves serving their, their their families, being the least, in other words, the servant to the family, and I'll be here referring to a biblical model, uh, instead of doing that, they rather uh, go into a, a, a self-centered, egoistic uh, focus. And a text like Second Timothy 3, verse 1 to 5, where it talks about the attitude of, of people in the last days of this world where they would become lovers of self, lovers of money, without self-control. These are the factors that are very much seen in each one of these cases. Do you think that this is a result of the whole concept of men being spiritual or or just actually being spiritual leaders in the home uh, has broken down and been lost? That, as well as the fact that we are living today in far more uh, 
homes where fathers have abdicated their their role as being a father. So mothers step into that role, try to hold the family together. And young men do not have mentors in, in their life anymore. Adding to that is the lack of spirituality and the, the, the lack of seeing true men acting like men in the family environment. Mm. So um, we see today that our society, our fiber of our society is often influenced by how sportsmen act on the field, where alcohol and drugs and free sex, women are just objects. Very interesting that one of the researchers that uh, that spoke out from America indicated that uh, these men see women and their children purely as possessions. And you can't help but feel a lot of this is being driven by Hollywood and the depictions of relationships that we have in Hollywood compared to, um, you know, the depiction of what a relationship should be in, in the Bible. Hollywood is, is primarily focusing on self-indulgence, self-exaltation, uh, self, uh, you know, the, the sensual part of, of, of a relationship where self is edified and worshipped instead of spending ourselves, giving ourselves, becoming the servant. Jesus Christ was the ultimate male that came to, to spend himself in order to lift the, 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 the human family up to a higher level. And that is the model that we do not see portrayed by Hollywood. Mm. We really need to have this conversation about men and about mentoring and about men uh, learning how to actually behave as men and what their actual role is as a man because I think that what I'm seeing coming through from this conversation is that people have – society has lost the concept of what it is for a man to be a man. I, I fear to think about where we will be in 10 or 20 years from now if no drastic change is made, if people do not change who they focus, especially men, uh, who they focus upon to become their mentors. Mm. Um, if, if Hollywood is it, I, I desperately fear for what is ahead of us. David, before we finish up, for somebody who is in a relationship, what are the what are the warning signs that that they may be you know you might be in danger? One of the key uh, signs of danger is possessiveness. If the person wants to control and monitor everything, a a loving relationship is always a trust relationship. Whenever there are cracks. Uh, we turn uh, for help. We, we, we go to people that are qualified and trained or even family that are supported. But in a danger relationship is where you see that possessiveness, that uh, self-centeredness, that the desire to control. And uh, whenever there is any sign of violence or manipulation all of those are danger signs and a person needs to ask the question, is this a safe environment uh, to continue a relationship in? And if they find themselves in an unsafe environment, what's the, what's the best procedure? 
Well, I think it's important that uh, people, you know, speak out and say, look, these are the things that I'm observing. I have fears. Can we please go and find help for our relationship? And normally a person that wants to control will be dead set against that. Uh, that they will not want to go. And that should be a signal. I further want to suggest to your listeners to remember that there is a helpline available when you find yourselves in that kind of situation. And that is uh, 1800 respect. Uh, so 1 800 respect, dial that number, uh, talk to people. They would be very uh, quickly to, to help you and guide you to help identify whether your relationship is a safe relationship or whether there is danger there. David, thank you so much for joining us on Faith FM this morning. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.